Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is a short form podcast. Most episodes are under five minutes in length, except for the weekend edition. And the weekend edition, this is where we showcase and highlight notable people, interview style from the world of real estate investing. And today we have a special guest. We have none other than Stefan Arneo. He is an author. He's a volume real estate flipper, and he's an educator. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Victor. So, Stefan, what got you into the world of real estate investing? If I remember correctly, you wanted to be a musician when you started out, not the typical career path into real estate. That, that's right. I started out as, when I was 16 years old, I wanted to be a rock star. So I told my mom and dad, I said, Mom and dad, I want to be a rock star. My dad wasn't having that. My mom said, you know, you better go to music school. So I went to music school and uh, dropped out of the music school because I realized that being a jazz musician or a rock star wasn't really going to be that great for me. So then I dropped out of computer science. I dropped out of business school. And finally, I finished with an English degree with a minor in music. And when I got out of the, the university, you know, I was a young guy, like 21, 22 years old. It was 2008. And there's no jobs for a guy with an English degree. Now, the interesting part is today, it's 2018, Mark Cuban says the English degree is now one of the most valuable degrees. But back then in 2008, there was nothing but, you know, McDonald's type jobs. So I didn't want to be poor. I didn't want to be middle class. I read a little book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Totally changed my mind because my, my rock band was the way to get rich. That was my get rich or die trying plan. And as soon as I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, totally changed my mind. I sold all my instruments, sold my recording gear, and I went straight into real estate. So, Stefan, today you're based in Winnipeg, and that's a city with a lot of diversity. You've got some lower income areas. You've got some up and coming areas. It's more diverse than most Canadian cities. In fact, in many respects, it resembles an American city more than a Canadian city. Well, I love Winnipeg because it's, it's the cheapest market in Western Canada. You know, I think Western Canada kind of starts west of Ontario. So we're the one of the most affordable markets. Average home is around three hundred to three hundred twenty thousand dollars. It's about eight hundred thousand people, and we have very diverse industries. So there's about a dozen big industries in Winnipeg, which is really great because no one industry is going to make or break you. So the market is a value market. People make money here. They work here. People only move to Winnipeg if it's for money or for love. So they either have a job and they're making money at the meatpacking plant or they're making money in hydro or something. And then, and then what they do is, you know, they stay here, they fall in love, they buy a house, that kind of thing. And it's just a really great value market where it's like you said, Victor, there's, there's a low end to the market. You can get a house in Winnipeg still for like $60,000 in the ghetto, um, you know, up to a median home of like 320. And then the market caps out about $2 million. And it's a real great place because there's lots of immigration lots of industries, all the things you want in a real estate market to make money in are right here in Winnipeg. So people always ask me, why don't you go somewhere else? Well, I don't see a need to go somewhere else because there's so much opportunity here. So Stefan, talk to me a little bit about some of the characteristics of Winnipeg. I mean, it's got a lot of diversity. I've visited the city. It's got some certainly more affluent areas, but also a lot of fairly low income areas. And how does that translate into opportunity for you as a, as a volume flipper? Well, I think that there's there's a real opportunity here because there's if you're a, a beginner flipper or beginner investor, Winnipeg cash flows. 
So you can buy these little homes, you know, for a hundred grand, 150 grand, 200 grand, which is like American prices. And you can fix them up a little bit or just rent them out. And, you know, a little home that's maybe, I got one right now I'm selling for 139,000, Victor. That thing you can rent out for 1,300 bucks, 13, 1,400 bucks, three bed, two bath, finished basement. And it's a beautiful thing because Winnipeg cash flows, it's got positive uh, net migrations. People move it in all the time. We got lots of immigrants, 16% uh, Filipino over here. So it's, it's a place where you can flip, you can cash flow, you can rent to own, you can do multi-units. Um, I'm getting into the storage business right now. That's, that's my next venture. And you can do pretty much any strategy in Winnipeg, which is really nice. You know, some of the other markets, like I have clients that I coach in Kelowna, tight, tight little small hot market. And there's a limited number of options out there in Kelowna where they're paying 800000 for a house. You're never going to cash flow. But over here in Winnipeg, almost everything can cash flow up to a certain point. Certainly at those lower price points, you're taking much less risk. But it's not just about risk. It's also about making sure that you have sufficient profit margin. You know, I see some investors making uh, doing deals for a 10% net profit margin. I think they're crazy. Uh, you can have one or two things go wrong and all of a sudden you're upside down. What kind of margins are you able to get in the Winnipeg market? So the deals that we're doing, we're usually buying at 40 to 60 cents on the dollar. We fix them to about 70 or 75 cents. And then if you're going to sell it, you know, it's going to cost you about 10 cents to sell. So there's about 20 points to play with there, 20 or 15, depending on how you play. And then after your financing, you might net 10 at the end of the day. But it depends. You want to hold the property and refinance it. You get to keep all that, you know, expense as equity. Um, it's a beautiful place here, Victor, because you can buy things all the time at, at uh, 40 to 60 cents. And you do have to dig and you do have to work on those deals. I have two full-time acquisition guys in my mar in my office who do nothing but acquire all day. So if, if you're a person who's willing to dig and do a bit of work, um, you know, we typically want to have at least 30 points of gross profit there to play with. Now, one of my favorite quotes is, a good deal badly managed is no deal. So of course, the only differentiating factor is the management. It's not just enough to have good deals and good opportunities. Talk to me a little bit about the systems, the teams you put together, and how you manage that to have a successful, sustainable business. Yeah, so I've always been a marketer, and I don't like to manage construction, so I put good general contractors in place, and we manage them with cash, so we have a schedule. We pay them X number of dollars per week, pictures for money. Um, we have up to six general contractors working at a time. Each general has his own crews, and we work with proven crews, so... You know, there's typically not that much of a surprise. And then the other thing with management that we do, Victor, is we look for projects that have, I call it easy budgets. So, you know, $40,000 or less, easy budgets that, you know, even me and you, Victor, if we put on our painter clothes, we could go do it ourselves. It's that easy. So I try to pick easy deals to flip. I try to pick low budget, easy things. Now, while I say this, I'm, I've also got a deal right now with $150,000 budget and zoning and variances and building location certificates and all sorts of stuff. That's a once in a while thing, but I've got the margin there to do it. I was buying it for 200, fixing it for about 100, 150, and I'll refinance at a $500,000 value. So I try to pick good crews, proven crews. Um, I got a guy managing the crews. We've got a thing called the top sheets, which is all the checklists of everything we have to do per deal. We have the schedules, we have all of our policies and our contracts. 
And we manage these, these guys with money and with pictures. And then we also try to pick projects that just generally have risk. And we have a, a form we fill out called the risk analysis form. We try to analyze what kind of risks are we taking on with this thing so that we don't end up, you know, with a quarter million dollar renovation where the city comes in five times and beats you up and, you know, crucifies you or something like that. In addition to flipping houses, I know you've also written several books. Tell me what that's all about and why has that made sense for you? Thanks, Victor. So I wrote my first book in 2012 with a bunch of blogs. You know, I, I had to raise money. Me and you have a similar kind of thing in that we came from another industry, had to raise money. I wrote a book called Money People Deal, which was a collection of my blogs. And, you know, you were on my podcast a while ago. And the thing that you mentioned was you had to educate people to raise money. So I came from a private equity background before I got into real estate, after music, before real estate. And we educated people uh, to sell private equity real estate investments, which was actually with Ken McElroy, who we both know from the, the real estate cruise that we go on. And so I was part of a company that raised $150 million from Canadians, some huge amount of money. And we educated and educated and educated. So I went, when I went on my own, I started blogging every day. And then my blog got me on stages speaking and people wanted to know more. And then I took my blogs and I turned them into a book called Money People Deal. And with that book, I raised about $5 million of cash in a year and had a whole bunch of investors wanting to invest with me. And then what's happened from there is because I'm always educating the public, people have asked for coaching and mentoring and classes. And now I'm up to, by the end of this year, I'm going to have six books published. So I try to do one a year. And it's, it's interesting because I never wanted to be a teacher, never wanted to be a speaker, never wanted to coach people or train people. But I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur and what the market wants, I provide. So if the market wants training and classes and negotiation, those things, I'll provide them. Um, but it's really about what they want, not what I want. You know, that's so true. I know a lot of people that approach business from the perspective, not in terms of what the market wants, but in terms of what they like to do. You know, if they like to paint, they're going to be a painter. If they like to bake, they're going to be a baker without any regard for whether the market wants that particular thing or not. Well, I was listening to Ray Dalio's book, Principles. Have you read that one, Victor? So I was listening to it on audiobooks or Audible or whatever, and it was interesting because Ray Dalio has, you know, a very big hedge fund, and he also does consulting. And I found it interesting because a lot of these investment guys have an investment practice, and then they also have a consulting practice. And what's interesting about the education side, I've been doing it for five years now. I've been educating people. Some of my students have won Investor of the Year, Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine. I've got students all over Canada and the U.S., and we, we help them build their businesses. A lot of them are around flipping. They want to do flipping, wholesaling. You know, They want to generate cash. A lot of people are hurting for cash, so we help them generate cash. And um, it's interesting. I never wanted to do it, but it's very rewarding. People um, Seeing people grow up. I don't have kids. I don't have a family, so these students are almost like my family. And, um, and training them and seeing them win is is really exciting. And you know, you're on my podcast talking about that a little bit too, is when you educate or help somebody, it's very emotionally rewarding to watch somebody grow like that. And, you know, not everybody wins when you educate them. I mean, it's like any other university, like any other training. I used to be a guitar teacher. Not everybody became a pro guitar player at the end. But it is 
a, a needed service. I think the school systems have failed us, especially young people. Now, I think there's a lot of young people coming into the marketplace with uh, degrees that don't matter, trying to get jobs that don't exist. And usually after a couple of years of banging around in the market, they end up coming to a guy like me to learn how to make actual money. So it's nice to provide something there that that is good for people. Uh, you know, it's profitable as well for me. But I, I agree with you, Victor. Sometimes I look at it and I go, man, I wish I just did deals because I think I think a guy who can just focus on deals can be very lucrative because you're not spending all this time making these courses and training guys. But I'm, I'm bit by the purpose bug and the mission bug and I believe in what I'm doing and I believe in helping the people. And uh, it, be, it comes from my dad. My dad was an entrepreneur. He never took a course, never took a seminar, never read a book. And my mom divorced him because he wasn't making enough money. So I lost my family because my dad didn't have any education. So for me, it's very personal. And I actually hired my dad now. He works in my acquisition department. He wholesaled a house for 10 grand this last week. And two weeks ago, he wholesaled one for five grand. So I got my dad now educated and he works for me in my office wholesale and real estate. So it's pretty cool to have that thing go full circle. Stefan, as you look forward over the next couple of years, what would you say your principal goals are, say, for the next 24 months? Yeah, so it was interesting being on that real estate cruise with you, Victor, last year in April because we had, I think, five guys on stage and they were all very accomplished real estate investors. I think they owned like, there's five guys and they owned like 100,000 apartment units on the stage. And it was interesting to hear the trends on the ship, you know, of what these very accomplished, smart entrepreneur men were doing. And I heard some common themes. I heard e-commerce was a common theme that a lot of these guys are doing. I heard storage. I heard apartments are kind of, you know, cap rate compressed and not really the best thing to do right now. So for myself, I, I have a two division business right now. I have flipping and I have coaching uh, information. I want to add two more divisions in the next year. My goal is to start up a, a storage franchise where I'm going to do a, a storage facility, a, a retrofit. And then I want to get all the marketing systems together and start almost franchising that. And uh, the other thing for me is going to be e-commerce, which it's interesting. You know, I've been getting more into marketing and marketing and marketing. And e-commerce to me is kind of the same business as real estate. In real estate, you acquire land and you build a building. In e-commerce or marketing, you acquire a customer and then you build on that customer. So I'm very excited to be going into e-commerce really heavy. I'm going into storage. I'm going to continue the flipping, continue the wholesaling, you know, continue owning a rental portfolio, continue the coaching. But I really see storage as being the future, uh, especially with you know the baby boomers and people just generally owning stuff. It's like an apartment building with no toilets and no tenants. So I'm very excited about that because I hate toilets and I hate tenants. Well, storage is a great business, and you know, apart from having great numbers in terms of dollars per square foot. Are there specific market conditions, specific market opportunities that you look for when looking to invest in self-storage? Well, it's interesting you ask that, Victor, because I have a property right now. It's about 50,000 square feet. It's an old warehouse downtown in Winnipeg. And it's at the intersection of two major streets. And I want that building because I want to put a storage facility in there. And there's comparables. There's comparable businesses in the area that do storage like that. But I want it for the signage. I want the land and I want the signage that I think I can put some signs on there, some billboards and rent them out. And if I can get one billboard on the building, it'll pay for the whole building. So I'm looking at this from a creative standpoint. Um, I would, I love urban real estate. I like downtown. I like downtown parking. 
if I can make a strategy and just roll that out wherever I go and have a good brand and a good marketing plan with it, I see it as something I can scale forever. You know, I could have a hundred locations or a thousand locations and I'm always thinking about the signage. I'm thinking about the, I think from a marketing perspective always, cause I've really found that I'm a marketer. And another thing that I like about the storage is that it's a, it's a marketing heavy business relative to some of the other businesses out there. Um, I have friends who flip storage facilities and it's, it comes down to marketing. The thing will be 50% vacant. You market and manage it properly, you can flip it. So my goal is to you know get a whole bunch of those things uh, going under a brand. And then eventually I like to flip businesses. That's that's where I want to end in my end game is flip businesses because that's that's really where my passion is. I do real estate as a product. I think real estate's a cool product. It's a neat thing, great way to learn business. But in in my end game, it's gonna be flipping businesses either to keep or to sell because that's just where my passion is. Well, Stefan, thank you for sharing your thoughts, your wisdom. I've enjoyed the conversation. I know our listeners will as well. And I look forward to catching up again in person in the near future. Thanks, Victor. Appreciate it. What a great conversation with Stefan Arneo. You know, one of the things I love about getting together with other real estate investors is just to compare notes. It's a little bit like a mastermind. And masterminds are a very effective way for you to improve your skill as an investor, as a business person, to get that kind of independent point of view. And so if you're not part of a mastermind, I really encourage you to do so. If you can't find one, start one. Get together like-minded people working together on the same set of problems, and it'll create real breakthrough results for you in your business. In the meantime, have a spectacular weekend. I hope you enjoyed the weekend edition of the Real Estate Espresso Podcast. Make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.